0: Yo, Nick, running
1: back. Welcome to Central Alabama Crime Stoppers Podcast. Crime Stoppers is a nonprofit organization serving the state of Alabama to bring together law enforcement, media, and the community in the fight to stop, solve, and prevent crime. Now, let's start the show.
2: Hello, and thanks for joining us for the Central Alabama Crime Stoppers Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Bowerman, joined by
3: Tony Garrett.
2: All right. And today we are discussing the Alabama Supreme Court's decision to increase the maximum bail amount for murder charges in the state from one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to one point five million dollars. It was a motion filed by Montgomery County District Attorney Daryl Bailey and Tony, we've got someone on the phone we're going to talk to today about this.
3: Yes, uh, it's, it's a popular topic right now, and a lot of people are talking in the barbershops and uh, grocery stores. We get a lot of calls on this issue, so we thought it would be nice to go ahead and call maybe a bail bondsman. Uh, District Attorney Dale Bailey, he had a good interview with uh, WSFA, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, he talked a lot about uh, what he would like to see in the bail bonds industry. So let's talk to Mo Harper with authority bail bonds. Let's see if he's available.
2: All right, let's do it.
3: Hey, Mo Harper. This is Tony Garrett with Crime Stoppers. How are you doing today? I'm all right. How are you doing, man? <clears throat> doing well. I got Ashley Bowerman uh, here with me today. Uh, first off, Mo, uh, tell me about your company and tell us about, tell us about bail bonds.
0: I've been doing bail bonds almost nine, going on 10 years, used to be law enforcement myself. I operate authority bail bonds here in the city of Montgomery and t- surrounding counties. I enjoy doing it. It's basically, in my opinion, a service to those who can't afford to post cash bond. And with cash bond, is basically the full amount of the bond. It amazes me at times that some people don't understand that if the bond is 10000 they don't have to pay 10000 they only pay a percentage. Operating authority bail bonds, and have done it for quite some time and enjoy doing it. Well, how it works as far as if you commit a crime and you are arrested, usually you'll be given a bond. And that's based on a bond, a bail schedule that they, that's been already authorized for that listed crime. I don't set bail. I don't have anything to do with it. But my price is dictated on what the bond amount is. For instance, just like with the $10,000 bond, normally it's 10 percent, but it varies depending on the bonding company. Different bonding companies may charge different prices, but usually it's 10%. And I would say that for this reason, sometimes you have bail agents that will take 3%. In that case, you know, they'll take $300 to make payments over time. And that's nationwide in any bail company, not just in this area, because I've heard some news in in recent days. They said something about bonding companies taking small amounts, but that's normal practice for this industry.
3: Okay. How much can bail companies afford? Uh, What's the max?
0: Oh, that depends on the bail agency. Uh, it's my company, Authority Bail Bonds. The maximum we can write up to at this point is $1 million. But I can write two different ways, and that's another misconception in the community or public. You have what they call professional bondsmen. You have what they call surety bonds. But to the public or to the courts, most instances, we're called a surety. They look at us as one individual. But th- what that means is if I'm a professional bondsman, I've been given a cap of let's say, and most professional bondsmen in this area are professional bondsmen, and we have a cap. I mean, it can vary from $150,000, $250,000, $500,000. You can't write anything over that. And then when you write in, under insurance, which that's a surety bondsman, that means I have a bail license, just like your life and health and property and casualty insurance agent, I'm a bail agent. I can write up to a million dollars, and sometimes more than that depends on the circumstances, but that's my cap. That's how we have maximums, and the courts know that because every year we have to uh renew annually so the presiding judge of that particular county can overlook our paperwork and sign us off to continue business as usual. That's where your minimums and your maximums come in at, so every bonding company have different ranges what they can write. Some bonding companies can't write a bond over a hundred thousand some bonding companies can't write a bond over two hundred thousand it depends on. How much uh either money they have in the escrow for professional or how much insurance they have to back their bonds
3: did this 1.5 million increase did that affect the industry It could have it depends on the bail agency because every
0: bail agency is like an individual entity in its own self. So. it wouldn't affect me first off like i said i can write up to a million on my own my insurance bill or i can if it's that high, I can just make some phone calls with the surety that backs my bonds. The companies that back us, well, insurance on the surety side of a Bell bond, they back our bonds. <laughs> okay. So it's no risk, so to speak. I, I heard some other misconception that bonding companies can't back all the bonds they're writing, but- and maybe that's not true. I mean, if you're going to go with that, I believe banks can't loan all the money they loan, but they still do it. If, if, if they all can't do it at one time, I'm sure they would have a problem, too. But the point is, I can write a $1.5 million bond, but it's highly unlikely because most people don't have that kind of money. That's $150,000 if you were to do 10%. And even if I was to take the 30, that's still a large amount of money to come up with. And normally to do bonds like that, we would ask for some kind of collateral, like property and some other things. I don't, I don't want to veer from the question, but I, it comes to mind to me about the young man at the alley, about the bond situation. I mean, he had four different charges. That means he could have had four different sureties, And what that means is it could have been four different companies posting those type of bonds. It, it didn't have to be one company. And he could have used property for one, another bonding company, and another bond. It didn't have to be one bail agency. And people sometimes think, when you break up the bond like that, Which you can, you can have more than one surety on a bond at any time, especially since he had four different types of charts, if that makes
3: sense. Wow, I did not Uh, know that. I thought you had to use the same bail bonding company.
0: Not necessarily. I mean, see, I write, and that's another thing with me, I write insurance. So I write in multiple counties, I mean, in 67 counties, Alabama, and I write about 15 of them. And that being said, I go to different jurisdictions and I see that it's different everywhere you go. I could Let me use one like uh, Mobile County. Most bonding companies have to partner up to do bonds. So if you came to my office and I know I can only write 50,000 and I got to call, you know, Craig across the street and his bail agents and this other guy, we got to come together. Now, we all going to get a piece of the pie, but we have to be, but we all our own separate entity, but we can be on this bond and we can break it up just so we can do the bond. Because remember, I said some bond comes to have maximums. Well that money come to company might have a maximum, so he can't write that bond by himself. He has to write it with another bail agency. And it depends, cause certain counties want all surety, which that's what I do. I'm a surety bondsman. but then you have some some counties that let you mix and match. Like I just said, you got property on this, surety over there, and you're gonna just do cash right here. It depends on where you are, because every county is different when it comes to the, the bail bond process. That makes sense.
2: Hey Mo, this is Ashley. I, I'm listening in here on the podcast. A quick question, then, uh, especially referring to the, you know, the the Bama lanes bowling alley shooting. I, I'm a reporter for WSFA, so I covered that. So Tory Johnson, obviously, I think his bond. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was it nine hundred and sixty thousand? I was eight hundred and sixty thousand dollars.
0: Are you talking about the final amount? What his
2: bond was? Yes, when it was increased the second time, it was eight sixty, I think. But I guess my question would be, since you know, one of the main reasons why we we're wanting to talk to you was the the $1.5 million, the increase for murder. So what you're kind of saying here is, you know, you, you made the point just a second ago, most people can't ever even pay the 10%. So are you saying like in his case, he just went to different bail bondsmen? I mean, because we were still trying to figure out how he was able to bail out.
0: If I'm not mistaken, from what I heard, somebody in his family, and let me put that out there too. Most of the time we do bonds, we deal with the family members. They operate like a co signer of wood on a mother signing for a son to get a car. Mothers, fathers, most of those are stable people in the community. They are actually the bail bondsman's client, not the defendant. A lot, a lot of people think the defendant is the one who needs to pay and post the pay. It on. No, 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 no. Mom, grandma, dad, uncle, uncle, auntie, they the one, They are the ones who sign the bond. Those are the people that we hold, I guess, liable for the bond if it was to default or go bad or what have you. But in his his case, his bond was, I believe it was less than 800,000 the first time. Four days later, it was increased to 800 and some odd dollars. He probably could have dealt with one bail bond company for the big bond, like the $500,000 bond, but he could have had, if he had the support that I've heard, somebody could have used property on the 30,000. Somebody could have used Property on the 15000 you know, and that's two charges right there going and they just property. And the only one he had to deal with, the only one he had to work with the bonding company was possibly, I don't know this, but I'm just uh, letting you know what could have happened was the $500,000 bond, which that's $50,000 he's supposed to come up with. And most people say these folks don't have enough money to pay $50,000, but if you go to a bail agency and you say, I don't have 50000 but I have 10000 most likely that bond is going to happen. And when you take $10,000, you put them on a $40,000 payment plan, just like you do for— If the public would look at bail like insurance, it would make more sense. And I can only use, like, you and your car premium. You pay $50, $60 a month for your car insurance, but you in an accident to cause a million dollars of damage. You never pay a million dollars But that's insurance. And that's the same way the bail button company does. It the purpose of bail is to ensure the defendant will appear for all his court hearings, And furthermore, it's, it's an agreement between the bonding company and the defendant and his loved ones to do so or show up for trial or uh, pay, pay a sum of money if you don't. And that's pretty much how it works. But the payment plan is nothing but a, and for us, we look at it like residual income. The bond has already been posted. It's just residual income at the end of the day. But I, I hope I answered that question that you was asked. He didn't have to go, lobby and call different bonding companies. He called my office as well, but he hadn't even turned himself in yet, And we didn't know the charge and the bond amounts yet. And then I guess somebody else in the family solicited another bond company and they went with them. That's that's how that works with, with, with that particular situation.
2: So I guess my next question would be then, if he's able to get out, I'm looking now at $860,000, you know, 1.5 million is more than that but do you see this even really helping then or even really making a difference if some well, of well, these
0: people a couple of things come to mind when I think about that new ruling that the Supreme Court came down with it I definitely follow what's going on in this industry because I'm very I'm very involved but 1.5 is a higher bond amount and that's something that just took place what last week I believe just like I've heard the example that an individual it's not fair that Let's say me and Tony both arrested for the same thing. He got money, I don't. I sit in jail. He posts bond. Okay, but what about the other part of the Constitution, which says something about excessive bail? Okay, it's, uh, it's a such thing called excessive bail, and you the the bail should fit the crime. Now I agree with trafficking drug trafficking the max is one point five million, and murder used to be one hundred fifty thousand. So now we got murder on the same line with drug trafficking. I don't have a problem with the higher bail for murder because you took somebody's life. As far as the bond amounts, if that answers your question, it's definitely uh, justified for today's climate. Because I honestly, in my own opinion, I don't think bail, either here or gone. Like when I hear people say eliminating cash bail and bond, I don't think it's going to deter crime. I just don't, and that's coming from a law enforcement background. Being in this bail mine industry. I just don't think it's gonna stop crime whatsoever. You whether you take it away or you keep it, it's still gonna be a high rate of crime because it's just the nature of certain people. I would throw this out there. A couple of states like uh, Chicago, Illinois, they don't use bail. They don't have they don't operate in the bail system, they don't use money bail, but their crime rate alone. It makes Alabama look like Alaska. I mean, it's it's, a, it's no comparison. And then you have Washington, D.C. They don't use the money bail system, but they have a high crime rate as well. So I, I don't know if that's going to help anything because you don't have cash bail. We offer a service to those who can't afford to make the bond or can't afford to pay bail with the full amount. We're insurance agents if you really understand the business. <laughs> and That's all we are in the middle of this whole process.
2: So essentially you're saying with the increase... You you don't see it making a difference uh, necessarily as far as combating crime. But what about most of the cases we see in Montgomery? I know they make these arrests so quickly, and that's because a lot of times we look at their track record. These are repeat offenders. So I guess talking specifically, I mean, and all that I know is Montgomery, but talking the whole state. I don't know if that's a similar trend, but do you think that'll help as far as, you know, the repeat offender situation? Cause well, a lot well of you got to keep this
0: out. in mind. When an individual post bond for the first time, especially for a violent offense, if within a week, two weeks, two months, or even a year, because sometimes these guys are hanging out on bond for a couple of couple of years before they make it to trial, especially right now with COVID, there's no jury trials going on. These guys are sitting around idle. I and mean, if they don't have anything productive going on in their lives, it's, it's highly likely they're going to commit a new offense. But with that being said, what normally happens, the uh, district attorney's office or, or, or the parties that are responsible for this, they file a motion to revoke the previous bond. So he should need to be able to get back on the street if they're on top of what they do. For example, if I get out... If I got out last August for a robbery first, and then here come tonight, I go commit a new crime, I shouldn't be able to post bond that quick, but because it's a delay, <laughs> delaying the right hand telling the left hand, I make bond. And I should have never been able to get out because I just committed a new robbery in a whole new year. And that would eliminate what you're talking about. If you're talking about repeat offenders and whatnot, who's dropping the ball here? Somebody's like, well, we don't control it. All we know is we got a family member, who was qualified, who was stable, who was gainfully employed, coming to us saying, get my son, my nephew, my brother, my cousin out of jail. And that's what we do. I mean, we, we don't get involved in the guilt of innocent. We're just involved in the part fact that they're saying they want to use our company to stand the gap between the courts to post their bond until it's after them to go to trial. I hope I'm answering that question, what you just asked, because like I said, when they post bond from the original bond, Before they get released again, the courts, if they are on top of what they do, they would know he's arrested. I mean, if you put a guy's social in there, like from my law enforcement experience, you should sit a red flag. If you currently see he's on bond for one charge, it's uh, considered a dangerous event. Why let him post bond again? You should make him sit until he sees a judge. And then they can make that determination if, oh, we'll allow allow him to post bond. But that never happens. Guys go in and get out very quickly. That's beyond our control. We don't have any control of that. Because one thing, they may use this bonding company that might be closed down, so they come to the next bonding company. And if the bonding company is not one that does, like I do, check backgrounds and look at other things and find out what they're dealing with, they'll just post the bond, assuming that it's the first time, but it's not. And they just go on, and they, that's normal business practice.
3: You talked about it briefly, as far as what would happen if they didn't have any cash bonds. How would that harm your industry? I mean, would that put your industry out of business, period? If they went went away from
0: cash bonds? If
3: they went with a federal system, like uh, right now in the federal system, if you commit murder, you just stay in jail until your court case comes up.
0: Definitely it'll hurt our bottom line. I can tell you that. But I'm not a bail bondsman that just does one thing. I mean, we do electronic monitoring in different places throughout the state. We try to figure out alternatives to jail and, and bail and bond and all of that. But if that was to happen, it'll definitely uh, make a dent into what we do. we probably have to change and go into some other fields. I could tell you this. I know three years ago in California, there was some legislation to eliminate cash bail in California. But the public spoke about it, and they didn't agree. They didn't want to end cash bail. They thought it was a necessary need, especially for the state like California. And I was also looking at it from a distance. If they eliminate cash bail in California, what does that mean for the rest of these states? Okay, But to answer your question, yeah, it would definitely... uh, So you make some adjustments. I say that because money bail is that's how we function. That's how we uh, pay our expenses. That's how we keep our that's our main revenue. And that's basically if you take away the money bail, then what do we do? And it always amazes me that the ones who advocate for any money bill, why do we pay all the court fees that we have to pay for? And why did they assess this jail fee that they came up with? It's a tax fee that we basically pass on to the defendant, but it does not come to us. I, I really don't know, you're telling, telling away, taking away money bail for people who can't afford it. But like I said, those who commit crimes and if they are about their criminal lifestyle, money bail or not, if <laughs> they gotta pay or they don't pay, they're gonna continue to do what they do. It's really uh, beyond my uh, understanding because I, I just don't see the purpose of it. Because I mean, like I just mentioned about excessive bail, like most likely these people can't afford the bail. The, the bond that's given to them for their particular offense. And I know the reason why it's high because they want to make it a little bit difficult or, or sure that he comes back. So that's what we come in at. We operate like that. we basically putting up surety to say, Your Honor, we're going to make sure Mr. Smith, Mr. John, or what have you gonna, he, make sure he's going to come back or you're going to keep our 500000 for example. Okay. And he can't afford 500000 but his family has put together what they could to make some kind of doable payment plan to make that happen. That's pretty much all we're doing. Just to ask your original question. Yes, if you in the cash bail today, it would actually put a lot of bail bondsmen out of business.
3: Well, let's go into our relationship with crime stoppers. What if they don't show up for court? What are the processes that you use? I know. Uh, explain the process as far as if they don't show up for court, what do other bail bondsmen do and what do you do? It
0: depends on the what's for me, for my agency, it's a couple of things we do that's automatic. Uh, it depends on the charge and the defendant. I, I mean, I can honestly tell you, a lot of guys talk about principle. If I had a guy on a $500 bond for stealing out of Walmart, he failed to to. The time it would take me to locate him, find him, do all of that, I'd probably spend $500 in time and effort to do that. Whereas if I just went on and paid a $500 forfeiture, I could be, you know, done with. Uh, Just to answer your question, there's certain things that we do. I mean, first thing we do, we pick up the phone. I mean, sometimes it's a justifiable reason, especially with this COVID, the pandemic. It's been so many things that have been going on that it's, it's just a misunderstanding. And I can tell you for a fact myself, I've had clients that the court has made some errors as far as they weren't in court where court wasn't going on. The person who was working I guess the database was out that day. And it's things like that, little minor things that we find out later. It wasn't that somebody failed to appear, but just to stick to it, what would normally happen in a normal circumstance, somebody fails to appear. We first pick up the phone, try to see what's going on, see if they were sick, see if they was uh, in the hospital, see if they passed away. I've had clients that pass away on bond. We file a motion or file this paperwork. just call a show cause to the court, given our reason why they missed, missed court or failed to appear. And if we justify with that, we'll attempt That's just something we have to do. It's almost like if you get served some paperwork and you have to give them an answer. I mean, because sometimes when I file a paperwork, I know exactly what an individual is and I've spoken to him. He's not running, but it's still this procedure, so to speak. But with that being said, if that doesn't work and I don't know where he is, then I go into other different measures that I take. Myself or somebody in my team, we go out into the field and we look for them and we have to bring them back. I actually got a guy now I put back in jail and the court sent me some paperwork saying that he failed to appear and they're going to forfeit the bond. Although I got documentation clearly that I put him back in jail, signed all by the jail. But the court is saying he didn't he failed to appear as though I didn't do my job, but I put him back in jail. It's little things like that could happen. And that's more like clerical errors. But my point is, that's normally the process. You file a piece of paper. Get you some time to locate the individual if it's if it's a situation where you have to locate them you go into the field and see if you can locate them and bring them back to that particular jail that you posted bond if you can't find them can't locate them then you got to do some other things <laughs> and that's a little bit more drastic and a little bit more exhaustive to me because one you have to file more paperwork and then sometimes you have to spend these spends on your resources Now, i'm the type of bondsman that I believe in any money that I make any, any proceeds I make I put it back in the business for case situations like this happens and remember the bond is really an insurance contract so if it goes bad if it fails you it's like insurance you have a claim or so to speak like you do in a normal business or normal life with insurance you file a claim and that's what a forfeiture would be and with that forfeiture meaning the court keeps the money I went in there and I did a $10,000 bond Six months went by. He had court. He never showed up. I filed my motions. I did all the type of things that I need to do. Went into the field looking for him, into the neighborhood, to the addresses that we have on file. Looked high and low, couldn't find him. The judge says, all right, uh, Mr. Harper, we're going to keep your $10,000. And that's the end of the story. Now, the only person I can go back and get recoup my $10,000 that I just lost is who signed his bond, his mother, his uncle, his dad. That's why the co-signer, like I said, is the original client of the bail bond company. It's not the defendant. And most likely when we have those individuals sign the bond, they have to have a distinctive relationship with the defendant. So one thing, oh, if this bond is coming, we don't do girlfriends, you know, because girlfriends are not reliable. You know, you ask them two weeks later, they ask them, like, where's uh, such and such? Are we not together no more? I don't talk to them. So wow. They, she should have never signed the bond. But if you sign mama to the bond, mama's going to be his son before and after as long as he's living and she's living. You're right. So, you know, you basically got a, a stronger connection to the defendant and that's the purpose of bond. Mm-hmm. I was taught when I got into the business, if you, if you do bonds right from the beginning, you can, you can limit, you can mitigate a lot of that extra stuff that you asked about. So I have a very small percentage of guys that have to look for compared to some of these guys. Cause I just don't write like any bonds. Certain things I look for and I ask about, before I post him. If I have a guy that I'm looking for and I've did it, high Lord, I want him uh, blasted throughout the media. I call you and you're willing to put him out there for me. And next thing we know, we get a couple of calls. And a particular guy we did like that. He was wanted in Dolson. He missed court for me on a thousand dollar bond, but he was on a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bond in Houston County. And I think we saved that bonding company a lot of money and time. I actually gave it to Tony and he put his face out. And somebody gave him a call, say he's right now in the house. Sleep and we sent the guy over there and knocked on the door and there he was and they were looking for him in Houston County for months and he was in Montgomery sleeping on his auntie's couch and uh, took him back to the county jail for our charges make sure those charges were uh, cut off and uh, they sent him to Houston County to serve those charges or that warrant he had with Houston County and all because of Crime Stoppers tip
3: I remember the little couple out of Um Autauga County that there was about they were about to foreclose on their house take their house away from them. And that right, was, your, right, that was right. your case. And uh, you were able to uh, save their house and get that guy back in jail because he wasn't, un- I think he was breaking in houses or something.
0: Right, 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 right. That was another situation. Yeah, And, and you know, after that, that situation, I remember people asking me, like, man, you're going to take their house? You gonna-? I'm like, no, man, I'm not taking the house. They were asking me how to go about it. And I'm glad that I was involved as far as getting the guy in uh, custody for him. But uh, I think they did what they call, and, and let me just say that right quick. It's different types of bond. And let I me mean, explain, you have your cash bond. If it's $10,000 cash bond, you pay10,000 dollars flat in cash money. It, it, that's one way of getting released. The second way is property. If you have property like the family that Tony's talking about in the Target County, they put up their property. Normally the property should have some value in it. The equity should be more than the bond amount to make that doable. And that depends on where you are too. I've seen some people just put up property because they got the name on it and it's not even, it doesn't have enough equity, in it, but that depends on, like I said, the county or that sheriff's department. And the third way is surety, And that's what I do. Basically, you come to me and I operate like insurance and you basically pay me a portion or a premium, which is normally 10%. I go post your bond for you to be released. And of course you have OR, own recognizance or signature bonds. And that's basically like you signing yourself out to be released. But those are the different types of bonds you can have to secure release. But I I, I thought about that because I thought about property bonds. I hear so many people, they ask us all the time. The only way we use property for a surety guy, we use it as collateral. Your bond is $50,000, which we make our money based on the premium, which $50,000, 10% of that is $5,000. But you have, and I'm still a little bit weary if you go do right by the bond because I'm operating like a loan officer, or underwriter. So I say, you got any property? Well, my grandma got a house over there, uh, let's say, on the west side of town. It's about $30,000. I think we'll take that property just collateral. We don't want that. That's not enough to do the bond. We just hold it in case, like I said, limit our loss or mitigate losses if we can. And that's where the property comes with us. But if you have enough property that's worth 60000 you go straight to the county. You don't have to talk to a bail You can go right there. Put up your property with them, your most recent tax assessment, give it to the clerk at the jail, and they'll go from there versus using the bail bond. That's the only way where property comes into play with a bail bond company. I just wanted to make sure I say it because I know a lot of people in the public don't understand how does the property work and what happens.
2: And we appreciate you clearing up a lot of these questions that I don't think any of us knew answers to. I want to end with just the last question here, kind of circling back to the the $1.5 million, the increase in, in murder the bail for murder, I think kind of, at least for me, from like a citizen perspective, or even just a a reporter, we kind of all are seeing this, you know, this increase as a positive thing, obviously, you know, as a way to keep repeat offenders off the streets and hope that, you know, we keep the bad guys in jail. You earlier said you don't really necessarily see that Being something that would deter criminals or will deter crime, do you see eventually it needing to be even higher or do you think 1.5 is even enough? I mean, you know, it was only 2014 when it was at $75,000. What are your thoughts on that? Do you see this needing to be even higher than the amount it is now in the very near future?
0: My personal opinion uh, and my perspective of it all, like I said earlier, 1.5 million, I think is justifiable because the, the highest bond, for a charge to my knowledge is 1.5, but that's for drug trafficking. And here you are taking a life. If it's going to be the same, then I'm I'm all for it. I don't see a problem with it. And that is a good thing. But like I said, also when somebody's arrested, it's two sides of the coin. (laughs) You have a family on one side and the family on the other side. And most families are appalled when somebody can post bond and get right out of jail. But you also keep in mind the other family who wants to rush to get their loved one out. Like I said, before, this young man that we're speaking of when all this came about, his family was calling before he even turned himself in. Like, what can you guys do? We don't know how much the bond is. Uh, we want to They wanted to make some kind of arrangements early on before he walked in. Most guys do that. They call us in advance. Like, hey, I got some charges, and I want to know how much I got to come up with and what you need for me and what you, what, what I need to have to, to get out of jail. My point of saying that all is is that on the other side of the coin, you have another family that wants to make sure he's not in jail awaiting trial because who knows how long that's going to be. And then the other family didn't want him to get out. So I guess it depends on what side of the uh, scope you're looking at. And just to say that 1.5 million I, from a bondsman, I thought it was something that would get these guys' attention, but I can tell you it's the ones, the ones who are committing the crimes are not keeping up that their bond could be 1.5 million the first guy, I think, was on the news that they spoke of, he was out on a murder and he got arrested for another murder here recently. His family called my office, too, asking me how much money it could be. And I said, do you know they just increased the bail amount? And I looked it up while I was talking to these individuals. There was two people on the phone talking to me at one time. And I said, his gun is one point five 1.5 million. And they were talking to me like it was $15,000. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 those days are over with. And I had to explain it to them because... That's something that has to slowly get some traction into the into the communities, because right now they don't know that. But like I said, yes, I agree. I think it's a good thing. But you have two sides of the coin, and you have one family that wants to get them out rushing, everybody's coming together, church members, family members, everybody coming together to pitch in and get them out of jail. And then you have another side that don't want them to get out of jail. You know, if we're thinking about, and I always say that when they talk about eliminating cash bail, like. You want to take bail bonds away. What about, you know, I always think about I think about victims, too, because somebody's being violated. Somebody doesn't want these people to get out of jail. And there's also somebody that wants them to get out of jail. So I, I, it just like I said, it depends on, on what side of the fence you are. And a lot of people that advocate for it shouldn't be a bond amount. I mean, it shouldn't be cash bail. I don't think they've been a victim. As of yet. Because I think when you become a victim, you, you feel slighted or cheated. So you want to hold them in jail as much as you can. And think about it, too. What they want to do, they want to go to this risk assessment type deal. And that's what the federal system does to an extent. They want to look at his health, mental health history. They want to look at his criminal history. They want to look at his family life and his stability. Most of your guys, it takes only one time to commit a murder. Do you need two or three times? So I'm saying that to say, if it's their first time you say, oh, okay, he won't be a threat to that. We can let him go. He don't have to post. But this guy over here, which that's where we come up when we say a lot of, if you go to a risk assessment, it could be somewhat biased. We say money is bad because it's unfair to poor people or people that don't have a lot of money. You're going to leave it to an individual to look at some criteria on a paper and then make a decision. Oh, yeah, I've seen his folks before. I know he come from a long line of permanent he might not need a money. Okay, there you go, your bikes. But if you have money, it's supposedly not fair. Whether you have money or you don't, it's, it shouldn't matter because money, I, I, to me, I think it's an equalizer because at the end of the day, both of them committed the same crime. <laughs> they both did the same thing, but one person could post a bond and one couldn't. Now, how does that help detour crime? I, I really don't know. You know, they just arrested a teacher in Elmore County. His first-time offense, he had to post a bond, so he shouldn't have got out with a bond. But I guarantee the victims didn't want him to get out. (laughs) They wanted him to say, is he a threat to society? Maybe so, maybe not. That's where that comes in for me. My opinion is different, and I don't know if it's because I'm in the industry or not. But when I look at it, if you have to pay, because in everything we do, we have to pay a fee. If I don't pay my mortgage, they're going to charge me late fees and then foreclose. If I don't pay my car, no, they'll repossess and all those things. So we get penalized. So why should we not penalize a person that the law enforcement has found, located, got good evidence, got great witnesses? Oh, he shouldn't have to post the bond. He should be be able to be released just because this is the first time he's been charged. But he still did something that we consider a crime in the state of Alabama. I hope I'm answering your question about the 1.5. Because basically, like I said, I thought it was, it's doable. I mean, because you have a trafficking charge at 1.5 million and why not murder? But like I said, the ones who do the crimes in our communities are not paying attention to that. That's just a certain element that <laughs> and Tony can attest. That it's just going to be here. I don't, I don't know. Like That's why I feel like it's it's unjustified when you talk about the bail bonding companies. We like the small man on the phone. That incident that we're speaking about at the bowling alley. That could have been done away with when he, when he went to court the first time, especially the second time. <laughs> that bonding had, could have been eliminated from the equation. They could have denied a bond or gave him a cash bond. It's a certain DA in the state of Alabama. Every time they have an offense, you, you see $300,000 cash bond. Okay. Cash bond. Now, you, you're not getting out with a cash bond. You're going to sit because most people don't have that kind of uh, money sitting around and be able to pay post that type of bond versus you talking about a bonding company you know, doing bonds and it's not right. That's
3: just my uh, opinion. I think we're going to still be talking about this tomorrow. Mo, I appreciate your time. You gave us a lot of things that I didn't know. I've been in law enforcement for 30 years now. And I didn't know some of the things that you brought up. I really didn't even think about it. Mo, congratulations uh, also. Uh, you just got your law degree in December. Yes, sir. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So congratulations on that. We're going to invite you back later on because we have a new initiative that we're doing with Authority Bail Bonds that's going to change the river region as far as students. It's oh. going to give them an opportunity. So, I'm excited about that initiative and uh, we're going to have you back when we do finalize it and we're going to let you go ahead and explain the process and the criteria and how uh, it's going to work and how it's going to maybe impact some young people's lives.
0: I'm actually, like I said, working on my own uh, thing myself as far as this, uh, this rate of incarceration. I know it seems a little bit ironic that here I am, my bonds for a living, but I want to stop guys from going down the road to prison or at least help detour that route. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's good. That's great.
3: Again, from uh, Crime Stoppers, we appreciate you. We thank you for your support for Crime Stoppers, and we're going to be calling you soon uh, to have you back on the show.
0: Thanks. All right. My. Thank you, man. Thank
3: you, Ashley.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you.
3: Well, Ashley, what do you think?
2: The biggest question we had with the Tory Johnson case, the bowling alley, first of all, it was a police didn't call it out, but it was a mass shooting. I mean, you know, yes. six people got shot. <clears throat> but I think that case just being a good example of, you know, with all this kind of going on at once, $270,000 for murder <laughs> and shooting six people and then turning around, they increase it and then you bail out again. So it's a good example to kind of point to for, for what we're talking about here. But I thought it was interesting that he said, You know, he could. I don't know if he said he did, but he can go to different bail bondsmen's to to get out. I I had no idea that that was the case. Um, No,
3: I I always assumed that they just went to one company and that's who took care of the bail. I didn't know you can go to multiple companies to take care of large bail amounts like that.
2: I didn't either. Um, So, I mean, obviously I'm not saying that that was the case in his case, but definitely interesting and and something to think about.
3: I think this was a good show. Thank you, Ashley. Stay tuned for the next one and maybe we'll have a better one.
2: And remember, if If you you see see something, something, say something. Thank you for listening to the Central Alabama Crime Stoppers
1: Podcast. We are a nonprofit organization serving the state of Alabama. If you have any information regarding a crime, please contact the police or Crime Stoppers using our anonymous 24-hour tip line at 215-STOP, area code 334, by downloading our P3 Tips app from your app store. When you call, be sure to receive a tip ID and password in order to dialogue with investigators in case there is a follow-up question. You can also contact us at our toll-free number at 1-833-8L1-STOP or visit our website at 215stop.com and follow us on Facebook at Central Alabama Crime Stoppers. Always remember: if you see something, say something.
3: And your
0: Nick, run it back.